listening to Bossy Bridges with Lisa Schinninger and Julia Dumay, and this week we are talking about Mocking Jay, which just came out in theaters, uh, part one. Part two will be out in December of 2015. Jules, so you've read the books, right? The I have, games? yes. Okay. I have not read them in a few years, though, so... It yeah, was, same here. Yeah, so it was like, I remember, I remember a bit, I remember the first one the best, and the second two... Um, not as well, so mm-hmm. that, was, that well, was fun. I, I came into them late. I don't think I even started reading the first one until after Mockingjay came out. Oh, wow. Um, so I kind of read them all real fast at Nice. Once. Yeah, um, that's how to read them. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I don't think I would have stuck with them if I'd had to wait um, so long in between books. Yeah. Um, I think they just didn't grab me as well, which is funny because they really did grab me. I mean, yeah, um, but like there's not a song of ice and fire like i wouldn't have waited multiple years in between yeah. the books being released um to find out what happened uh but one of the things i wanted to talk about so the movie came out i've actually seen it twice now um i took my oh, mom wow. to see it this weekend um because uh, she's a big hunger games fan too and she got afterward um she was like well i forgot all this stuff and i should have watched i should have rewatched the movies and i should have reread the books and um because she was a little confused about some things that they referred to in the movie um like uh so i think uh somebody makes reference finnick makes reference to when um when peta's heart stopped um in the second book and movie yeah um, after he was electrocuted and Katniss freaked out and he was like that was when I knew that you weren't just pretending yeah um, my mom was like what <laughs> so she went home and she actually found um catching fire is on demand on for free on oh, nice. our cable system so it might be on other cable systems too um and I think it's also on Netflix so if people yeah I was about caught to up. Say. um but yeah like and then I so I rewatched it recently and it sort of put together a lot of pieces that I don't think I realized the first time through were oh. actually set up in advance. Um, we've talked before about how I'm not the greatest at picking up on context clues. <laughs> um, so it, it, I knew that um, Plutarch Heavensby played um, in the movie by, um, God, why do I always forget his name? You know. Is that Philip Seymour Hoffman? Yes, Philip Seymour yes. Hoffman. Okay. It, the first time I saw him, uh, on screen, I was like, "Oh my god!" Because that that was a big loss to yeah um, to anybody yeah. Who, who loves movies. Um, and so I knew that going in that Plutarch Heavensby, as the game maker for the second um, for the quarter quell, was behind most of the preparations for getting them out of the arena. Um, and so I knew that you know, and then you know that like BT and Wireless are are involved and that there's this conspiracy happening behind the scenes that Katniss has no idea of that is meant to break her out and to get her to district 13 to become a part of the, the revolution basically. But it wasn't until going back and rewatching that I realized just how intricate a setup it was. Yeah. Um, you know that he, had, it, I think it probably was in a lot of influence on, on president snow to have the quarter quell be all these old, um, uh, yeah, former the celebrity champions. Hunger Games. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't Hunger like Games All Stars. Right, right. Because going through it the first time, you're just like, oh my god, what a that's terrible. He's doing it to punish Katniss. But you know, Plutarch was behind that as well, and maybe there was some influence there. Like, this is oh. going to give us the best chance to get these people out. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So going back and watching it after watching 
the third movie, I was like picking up all the stuff that I was like, oh my god, oh my god, they totally knew, like all of them knew, and that's why like, um, like the attitudes that people had toward Katniss, and it was just crazy, but I wouldn't have picked up on any of that if it hadn't been for the third movie coming out. I could have rewatched Catching Fire a million times and still not picked that up. Um, But um, so speaking of Philip Seymour Hoffman, seeing him in this movie, um, the I went to the first time I went to see it. The one of the previews before was for uh, Night at the Museum Three. Oh gosh, which has yeah yeah. so I was kind of like, oh my god, like I don't, I don't think I can take many more of these, like, oh yeah, these, these things with these like actors that I really, really liked who aren't here anymore. You know, it was like, oh yeah, kind of, it was a little bit devastating. Yeah, um, and then he was Lauren Bacall wasn't still working, right? Like, <laughs> like they how many jammed the trailer for her in there somewhere? And, yeah, yeah, but. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is so good in this movie. Um, oh, he's, yeah. I actually, I wanted to mention, because I think the supporting cast in general was fantastic. Um, at least Philip Seymour Hoffman, Elizabeth Banks, as always, yeah. she's great in all three of them, as is um, Woody Harrelson. Yes. Like, I think he does, I did not see him as Hamish at all, but he really works for me. I'm like, oh, I did not picture Hamish as Woody Harrelson at all, but that works a yeah, lot. Yeah, he's perfect. My, my vision of Hamish was a lot younger. Um, yeah. And a lot more dissipated, but Woody Harrelson really, really pulls it off. And I think a lot of that is um, the chemistry with Elizabeth Banks. As oh Lizzie. my gosh. They like, are, they... I want, I would watch an entire <laughs> movie that is right? just them. I just want a Hamish and Effie movie. I would I would watch them in a lot of stuff together. Like that oh, it's just yeah. fantastic. Um and there was a the there was an interesting thing um that of course in the book Suzanne Collins um didn't have Effie in District 13. Um we don't see Effie until they get to the Oh to, yeah. until they're in the capital. So um Effie was not rescued. Effie was not That's or did right. not defect. Yeah, but apparently Suzanne Collins went to the producers and said, um, you know, what uh, what we've done with Effie in the movie so far has been so amazing, and Elizabeth Banks is doing such a good job that I want to modify the story to bring her in earlier so that she would have a bigger role in, in like, the rebel stronghold, basically. Oh, neat. Um, yeah, so she kind of replaces the prep team yeah. um, that was rescued. Um, yeah, to help Katniss. That's awesome. And I thought that was a, that's an example of, I, we're book people, so I think a lot of the times we go and see things and stuff starts changing from the books and we get all grumbly about it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, I think, was a change that was really for the better because it tightened up um, the cast of characters. It gives, um, there's an emotional weight to Effie being there that, yeah. you know, you wouldn't have had otherwise. Um there's a moment where they're all strategizing about how best to use Katniss as a propaganda tool. And it's Effie that reminds them that the power of Katniss is the power of like the emotions that Katniss stirs up in people. Yeah. Um, So I thought that was a really smart choice to bring her in. Yeah. Um, I actually, it's interesting that you mentioned the, the adaptation thing Um, because I was thinking about it and like, I liked this movie. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't that 
that nuts about it. And I was thinking, you know, partly this gets into, I'm sure I will have many more feelings to share about this in general, but this need, you know, to split the last book into two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first half of Hunger, of not Hunger Games, of um, Mockingjay, Katniss really isn't doing much. Right. Um, and it works in the book. You know, she's completely just emotionally shattered. I mean, it really shows how, what an emotional toll this has taken on her. You know, it's understandable, but it makes it kind of, kind of a boring movie. Um, mm-hmm. when you're used to seeing Katniss as this really active character that she doesn't really get much apart from, you know, there's a scene where they're filming propaganda, um, and they send her out into the field to talk to refugees and, um, the wounded. And apart from that, you don't really see her doing a lot. It seems like it's a lot of her reacting to things. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, I mentioned the supporting cast. Jennifer Lawrence is fantastic too. She's really, she made me buy it, made me feel things the way I don't think many actors could have. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and, but I was thinking about it and I was like, well, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad adaptation. That's a flaw in the first half of the book too. It's right. just a problem with where they've split it. But, um, I was thinking about it and, you know, the first Hunger Games movie for me, um, really is, I think, one of the best book to movie adaptations I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it really, you know, when I saw it, I, it had still been a couple years since I'd watched the, since I'd read the books and I, but, you know, I rem- I didn't feel lost. I rem- I only remembered like the key points, right. but I was like, oh, okay, I do remember what that's about. I remember that. Oh, and it was, you know, it it worked for me as someone who had did not retain a lot of really intricate knowledge of the text. I didn't need. I wasn't needing to like go home and look things up again. Um, mm-hmm. But it also was really rewarding as somebody who was a casual fan who had right. read them. Um, and I, I think it just, and it works really well as a movie, I think. It's just even independent of the book. It's just a really fantastically made action movie. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, there was, I want to say, I think Mockingjay, the book, kind of really departed from from the first two books um mm. in tone because and i i totally understand what you're saying about it, it's not really an exciting movie <laughs> There's yeah not, like a lot happening like we're really used to um things ramping up toward the game and and like um getting these little glimpses of how the world operates but then in mockingjay it sort of turns it around completely the games are destroyed and all it is is um politics basically yeah um, but it also is about like trauma, which I think is important. Oh, because yeah. A lot yeah. of the times, like we get these trilogies, like trilogies are the norm now. Um, mm-hmm. If there's an action movie that's worth any money at all, they spin it out into many action movies. But we never <laughs> really see the aftermath. Yeah. Um, and that's what I really liked about the way that they split Mockingjay. Um, because like the first part of the movie, it's all set up and it's all aftermath. Mm. Um, we see what 
happens in District 12. Uh, we see what we learn what happened to District 13, uh, and we yeah. see like what Katniss specifically is dealing with. Yeah. Um, which is really interesting for me because, like, you never see the action hero, like, the toll that it takes on the action hero. Yeah. Um, and, like, this is a really traumatic thing that Katniss has been through multiple times now. Um, and it's a lot of weight that people are putting on her. And so it was, I I thought it was really cool to get to see that. Um, yeah. Sort no, of absent I thought... any big action set pieces or anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love it. I mean, I love a good trauma narrative. And yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not knocking it. I want to make that clear for listeners. You know, I really enjoy it. Um, I love a good, like I said, a good, good meaty thing that wrestles with trauma. Um, I'm totally there with bells on. But, and I loved also, speaking of, uh, the aftermath, I, I liked in a lot of ways what they were doing with, showing the wider world you know we saw some Mm -hmm. hints like in the first one when with rue we saw like rue's district Mm -hmm. um and saw the reactions when she was killed and katniss was mourning for her but you know i love that in this we got more of the rebellion of what's going on in the other districts um, and what everyone else is doing to try to force it along. I just, I think it's more just a function of the fact that I don't want movies that are too long, but I also, uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like it would have been, it works better as one complete piece rather than split into two movies. Yeah. Or like I've said before, I think like we've discussed a mini series, mm-hmm. like this totally, Hunger Games totally could have been like a, a TV show, something on, uh, yeah, you know, it could have been just a bunch of mini series. This is that's what I more and more. I'm like, yes, let's bring back the mini series. Oh yeah, you know though, like I we've talked about it before, like what the reasons are for splitting. Um, so why Ugh. it's not a trilogy, it's a quadrilogy, Ugh. and like here it Quad- really, exactly, <laughs> really, really seems to be about the money, about being able to release mm-hmm. two movies a year apart and double your money. Where, because it doesn't really make sense. Like, there isn't that much happening in Mockingjay. Like, there's not that much more happening in Mockingjay than in Catching Fire or in The Hunger Games. Like, it really doesn't make sense for it to be two movies. Because one of my problems with Mockingjay Part 1, and I do want to make it clear also, like you did, that I did enjoy it. Um, Obviously, I went I paid to see it twice. So far, it sounded a lot more positive than I have, (laughs) which is why I wanted to put that out there. I really enjoyed it. Um, Yeah. It's a function, I think, of what it is that I had problems with. Mm -hmm. So, Well, and I think my big quibble with it is, um, comes out of the same place. Uh, It, there's, it seems like there's a lot of unnecessary repetition. Mm. Um, Katniss goes by herself to confront what's happened to District 12, and then they go back again later yeah, um, to to see District 12 again and to get the story of what happened. But we've already, like, it was frustrating because we already got this, the exact same shots yeah. in District 12 twice. Um, and then we had also gotten the, uh, the story of what had happened there, the destruction of District 12. We had already gotten that story from... Gail, like he had to tell that story twice. Uh, the second time just gave a little bit more detail. But I found it really frustrating because there wasn't anything like really revelatory about it. Um, yeah. And I mean, they were, it was the exact same shot, like the big, the money shot for each sequence was yeah. exactly the same. It, um, 
I'd like to see them side by side because it looked to me like it was the same tracking shot and everything. Um, so that was, I, that was a point where I was kind of like, did we really need, like, was there no other way to condense this material so that we didn't have to retread the same ground? Um, and then there's a lot of, um, I think Jennifer Lawrence is really great as Katniss, but I think like her one weakness is when she's, um, like she's really great at being fierce. She's really great at being vulnerable. Um, but like when she gets really, really aggressive, like out of control aggressive, I find that a little less believable. Um, and she sort of get ca- gets called on to do that, um, in that, in, there's a different scene where they go to district, was it seven or was it eight? Um, they, when they go to visit the wounded. Yeah. Um, and she's, the joke is she's tapped to make these propaganda films and she's really wooden and unbelievable (laughs) in the studio they have a whole setup and it's all fake it's Um, a great sequence where they're that was a really great moment it was really fun too because you kind of get the sense that all of these professional actors in this movie are really having fun with um sort of turning it around yeah giving the kind of performance they're not allowed to give and then also like being the director behind the glass shouting and screaming because yeah doing it right like i really it felt like maybe that was like a fun day um so what they do then is try and put her in a real situation to try and and evoke some real emotion and it actually felt more fake for me to like when she's like doing it for real um and i think it was it's just um i think that jennifer lawrence is just a little bit weaker at that like the big shouty yelly sustained high emotion Um, yeah it kind of fell a little flat for... for me for the way she's been playing Katniss. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it didn't quite work as a, yeah. Yeah, yeah I she, think I know what you mean. Like her big speech after yeah. the, the, the cover craft crashes. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, it was a little like, it did feel a little, I was like, hmm, yeah, this doesn't actually feel that much better. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was, I don't know, like it was just, I think, like I said, I really liked it, and there weren't any points in the movie where I was like, you know, ugh, why am I watching this? Yeah. But there, there were definitely points where I kind of wondered, like, with one or two changes, how could they have made it better? Yeah. Um, but I'll be interested to see, like, if any of these things repeat again in the second half of Mockingjay. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Like kind of, res- I kind of want to reserve judgment a little bit on the first half until I see the second half, <laughs> which is yeah. really fair. But um, I, I, I think like it's better to judge it as a whole, because um, it does stand up on its own. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, I definitely I agree. And there was another part um, that I like the thing that rang the truest for me out of the whole movie. Um, Hamish is in District 13 and he has to dry out in some rehab facility and he comes back and he's functional and he's alert and he's a little bit nicer than he's ever been before. (laughs) Um, And then there's a moment where he's comforting Katniss and he sort of stops for a second to say, hey, by the way, do you have any pills? (laughs) And it was like. It was a little bit funny, but it was also like the truest moment I thought in the whole movie because of course he would. Like he's an addict. He's going to you know, he's constantly going to be searching for some way to self-medicate. Um, yeah. So, like, like even was... as he's doing this kind of selfless thing of trying to, like, comfort this girl, like, he's still going to be looking out for, well, eh, 
well, maybe she's got something. I'll just ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was really, that was a lovely moment of just like funny, but also really painful. And, mm-hmm. and again, it's a reminder of like just how much the games fuck people up. Yeah. Like that they are just completely destroyed by this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I liked that they didn't really, cause like when Finnick, gets on camera and gives his big speech about his life as a victor. Um, like, that was really fantastic as well. I was like, oh, that was... I felt like that could have been great or terrible, and it did not feel overwrought at all for me. Like, that really worked. And again, it was, like, really painful. Just a reminder of how messed up these people mm-hmm. are. Yeah, like... it. Like I said, I really, really enjoy is totally the wrong word because I don't, I don't enjoy seeing <laughs> people so traumatized. Um, but I do really appreciate that they did it. That um, yeah, like you're the first time you see Finnick in this movie, he's destroyed. I mean, he's yeah sobbing so loud that so loudly that Katniss can hear him from down the hallway. Like, um, so it was, and then like Gail is not um. You can see, like, the damage on Gale of, you know, what he experienced in District 12 and also, like, um, the way that his childhood friend and potentially love interest has been has been changed by the experience and taken away from him. Um, and he's so he's so angry. It's it's really remarkable that they um, have all of these different kinds of trauma being visited on these people. Yeah. We all get to see how each of them reacts to it. Yeah. It was really great. Yeah. It does really, a really good, good job of showing that, you know, different people deal in different ways. Mm-hmm. Different people kind of break in different ways. Oh, and we haven't even gotten to the worst one. Um, oh, PETA. Oh, uh, gosh. <laughs> I just like he's off screen for a big, big chunk of the movie, which we haven't had before. And it's devastating um, Mm. the way that they reveal what has happened to him um, off screen. Mm. Uh, Yeah. Until the last shot in the movie is of what what has become of him. Yeah. As a result of all of this trauma that's been inflicted on him. And it's it was hard to watch. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it was, that was really, that was really impressive. Um, yeah, it was, I was like, wow, this is a really, I mean, I knew, I was like, okay, it's gotta be, I figured that was about the point where they would break the movie, um, where they would break the book into two movies. But I was like, wow, this is a really, this is, that is a really downer place to end it. Gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have yeah. to wait a whole year. I know. Ugh. Were there any kids in your theater when you went? One, I believe. It was like first thing in the morning, so mm-hmm. it was like a pretty empty theater in general. There were only How a do you get these empty people. theaters? I don't know. Yeah. They're always I was, so packed. And I was surprised because I went, it was a mall, and it was the day after, the weekend after Thanksgiving. So I was like, how is it not? I mean, there were, you know, there were probably like a dozen other people, though. I was like, wow, that is a much smaller crowd than I would have expected. Mm-hmm. Even at a 9 a.m. show, still, yeah, like it's I, a Saturday of 
Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, we went the day after Thanksgiving in a shopping center, and it was packed wow. at a 10.30 show. Um, and there was one kid next to me, and I do remember things, because I didn't see any kids at the first show I went to. And in the second one, there was a moment, um, the, the the salute that they do. And oh, whistle, yeah. Um, they were doing that on screen, and he did it to the screen, and I thought that Aww. was really cute. And then... But then I was kind of like, oh, my God, like, how old is this kid? Is this, yeah. is this kid old enough to be seeing the things this that we're not seeing on the screen right now? Not a child-friendly movie. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not. It's a lot darker than um, I think people might realize, um, which, again, is, like, something that I really like about the book series. Like, I know there was a lot of disappointment disappointment when Mockingjay came out mm-hmm. uh, because it was kind of a departure from the, the previous books. It wasn't so much, like, adventure mm-hmm. Um It was a lot darker. It was a lot more bleak. Um and I don't want to get into the second half, but um, there's some things that happen in the second half that people were really upset with that they felt like were a big departure from mm-hmm. what they believed Katniss to be as a character. Um, but I thought it was really clever because it's it's the kind of thing that we don't see. Like, we always see, like, the triumphant revolution. We see, um, you know, the, the good guys beating down the bad guys, but we never see what happens after. Yeah. Um, and which I think was like a bigger part of mocking Jay than people expected. Yeah. Uh, which I really, I really liked it. Um, like it was traumatizing and horrible and sad. Oh, and gosh, I wish, yeah. I wish there were, you know, there's things that you wish you could rewrite because you don't want them to have happened. Oh, um, yeah. But at the same time, like, it's really cool to see that. Like, cause we don't see that ever, you know, star Wars ends at the metal ceremony and we don't see like how they're going to piece the galaxy back together in the, in the wake of, you know, the Empire falling, like, what happens to all the rebels? Happens yet, anyway, speaking yeah, of. Yeah, haven't yet, yes, yes. <laughs> um, You know, fingers crossed. Um, yes, so That was well. really cool. But then, like, I can also understand the perspective of being upset because it didn't follow the same formula again. Because I would have liked to have seen something in the same vein. Um, yeah. Where all the characters weren't so completely broken at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little less completely bleak and soul destroying. Yeah. Like some triumph is good. I like some triumph, and I like a little some, bit like, straightforward, unequivocal triumph. And so yeah, just like Ooh, now and like, then we won. Now what? Like maybe just we won. The yeah. End. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I do have a question for you, real quick. Are you Team Peta or Team Gale? <laughs> I am not really particularly no? invested in are you, either of that. Are you a Team Cressida? I. I was Team Cinna, but uh, oh, okay, I was, but that ship was sunk. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> in a horrible like, way. Oh yeah, um, it was terrible because in the second one, it was not clear to me that he was dead. I was like, okay, he's being dragged off and brutally beaten, but he mm-hmm. might not be dead, you know. But no, yeah, he was dead. I was like, oh. Oh. Nobody in movies, nobody's ever done unless you see it on camera, and even then, it only sticks about half the time. Like, yeah, you can't, can't drag sure. somebody off screen and expect me to think that oh, they're was actually dead. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, really I'm, I'm sort of Team Peta mostly because it seems to be what Katniss wants, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, mostly I'm Team Katniss. So yeah. I'm like, all right, that's what makes her happy. Then go for it. He seems I, like a decent yes. enough guy. I just do not find him compelling at all so i'm like all right fair enough he seems nice sure yeah i think i'm 
I don't remember, like, when I read the books, if I was either or. Like, I didn't really read the books as, like, who's she going to end up with at the end. Yeah, me neither. They um, keep, and they keep trying to make the love, people keep trying to make the love triangle happen. And I'm like, yeah. I did not feel like it was ever really a thing at right. all. Like, um, and I think, like, the epilogue for the books kind of um, cemented that for people that it was about one or the other. But it really does seem like you know, what's the best for Katniss in the long run? Like, what's yeah. going to be the healthiest choice for Katniss? Um, although, in this movie, I was kind of a little bit, like, Team Cressida. Like, <laughs> yeah. she showed up and she was, like, really focused on Katniss. And I was like, oh, like, Good maybe that's a choice. Before. Like, there's not as much trauma that's um, associated with that relationship. Yeah. Or maybe, uh, like... Yeah. Yeah, or like she and Finnick and Annie can have a nice, happy, polyamorous relationship right. there. They can all you know? heal together. Exactly. Um, but I do really like PETA, and I feel like PETA doesn't get short shrift, like, um, because he does. Like, Gail it's... is like the tall, strong, dark, handsome the fighter guy. Yeah, the Hemsworth. <laughs> Good point. Um, and then PETA's like this small baker, like, he's totally nuts about Katniss and always has been and he's, yeah um he's willing to sacrifice himself and so I think like that kind of um that kind of character gets short shrift a lot um especially in these artificial love triangle stories yeah um and I just really like that uh, like PETA is all, PETA's traumatized and PETA is gonna have a long road to recovery but like mm. you can see that PETA might actually have a chance at um you know, coping, I guess yeah. is the best word. Um, like he seems like he would be the, I don't want to say like the healthiest coming out of it, but he, um, he starts at like this really, this like really centered place, I guess. Um, yeah. Like, and he's very empathetic and I just found him to be a much more sympathetic character than Gail, who I kind of was like, eh. Yeah, um, me too. Like, I think Gail kind of pushes Katniss into bad places. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Not to get all shippy about it, but... Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I, I have nothing against PETA. I just do not have... And he is, like, I want to like him. And I like mm-hmm. him quite a bit in the books. You know, like, he has some of the most brilliant moments in the books, you know. And he is... This is a constant thing, I feel like, but online especially among fans is that he is a lot smarter than Mm -hmm. people give him credit for and he's a lot more not quite cynical but he's a lot savvier than everyone including Katniss gives him credit for um you know he's the one who comes up with the the love trying the love triangle angle or the the forbidden love angle in the beginning mm-hmm. you know he's the one who says and um he's the one who comes up with the Katniss's pregnant angle in the second one yeah um that he is like a lot smarter and a lot sharper and a lot better at playing the game than he's really given credit for by many mm-hmm. people including Katniss herself um yeah but yeah, so I find him interesting in the abstract. I just can't really, I just don't find that I feel very strongly about him. I'm like, Aww. okay, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. 
poor PETA. The magic just isn't there for me. I think the thing that I really appreciate the most about PETA, though, is that PETA is, like, the stereotypical, like, female love interest. Like, that's the role that he fills. Like, um, he's not the hero of the piece. He's there to help the hero, which is typically Mm -hmm. where the, the woman gets slotted in to an action movie. Um, you know, if this were Star Wars, he would be sort of a combination of Luke and Leia. <laughs> like, yeah. um, like physically he looks like Luke, but in like, um, in role, he's a lot more like Leia. He's just there to sort of grease the wheels and come up with ideas and, um, keep them on the right track. Yeah. Um, so I thought, I, I think that's really interesting that they set that up that way because Katniss is, um, sort of in that stereotypically male role of being, um, yeah. Always forging ahead without thinking, um, very much like a reactive person. Hmm. Um, she's just there. She always wants to do the right thing and she doesn't think the consequences through. Whereas Pete is a lot more strategic. The thing about the baby, especially like that is some, that is some killer strategy. Yeah. That is some That's, next level shit there. Yeah. And the point, I mean, it doesn't just, it, it, it does this like dual function of it makes people more sympathetic to Katniss and it makes her more likely to get um, gifts while she's in the arena um, and to get more support from the viewers. But it also does this really incredible job of pointing out the hypocrisy of the games mm. um, that these people are fine with children going off to die for literally no reason every year. Um, but then as soon as they introduce like, Oh, there's an unborn child in the mix and everybody's like, stop the games. You can't kill an unborn baby. And it's like, yeah, you kill dozens of children every year, like for the sake of entertainment. Yeah. Like it does. Um, see, yeah. it's interesting. I was thinking, cause yeah, it's not just like, like the love, the forbidden love angle in the first one kind of upsets people like that the room is just filled with gasps and sighs uh-huh. and everybody's really but it just becomes something even juicier mm-hmm. but that just tips that's like beyond a juicy new twist in the second one the bait the Katniss's supposed being pre- supposed pregnancy is like beyond a, an exciting new twist like that's when people start to freak out like even right. in the pampered sheltered and spoiled capital they the crowd freaks like the room has to go they have to cut power to the room and they have to like end the show and the guards have to come in and escort everybody out immediately because mm-hmm. even in the capital people start to freak out and go this is not okay yeah um, well, yeah, you know, five five minutes earlier, it was okay. Like, yeah, they were totally fine with sending all of these people to their deaths. Yeah, um, there was something else that I really liked about the movie. Um, when we when we're in um, District Thirteen and we're seeing the rebel um, propaganda, the propos. Oh, I hate myself for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the styling of the propaganda pieces are exactly the same as the styling of the marketing campaign in the real world for the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, that's brilliant because that puts us in the position of being basically the capital. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, which I think some of the marketing has done before. There's a couple of like, um, cosmetic lines. Uh, yeah. That are based on you're a person in the capital with these outlandish, uh, makeup schemes like we see on Effie. Um, and I thought that was really neat too, because it kind of adds this extra twist of, you know, if we're watching them, we're not watching the movie from the perspective of 
being in District 13 or being in any of the districts watching our children go off to these games. We're definitely still watching it for entertainment value. Um, yeah. Which felt like it kind of got a little closer to maybe what Suzanne Collins was saying um, yeah. in the books than I think the movies make explicit. Um, and it was, just, yeah. it was literally just a font choice. <laughs> it was, yeah, no, I noticed that as well. But I was like, that looks, it almost, I mean, I, I, was wondering if for a second I was like is that one of the trailers I think that might have just been pretty much straight up mm-hmm. one of the trailers for this movie that they've used um, which was like you said fascinating and really did kind of raise that issue and it because I I I was really concerned when they were making the movies before any of them came out I was like you know this has this is a book these are books with some very interesting and challenging things to say and that asks some really pointed questions about media and about our responsibility in the things we consume Mm -hmm. um and our complicity in if you know whether things if things aren't the things we consume, where do they come from? Our responsibility for that and having to ask these questions. Um, and I wasn't sure, I was not sure how that would come across in a movie. I was a little concerned. I was like, I don't know that they're really going to be able to do that in a movie. But mm-hmm. they really, I think they have very well. I think they've really, if anything, like you said, they, they sort of even in some ways even more so and made it even more clear mm-hmm. um i mean i know watching the some of the revolt scenes was really interesting given the you know current political climate in america yeah. i was like wow that is you know a really interesting scene to watch watching these crowds just fight back mm-hmm yeah, especially after this weekend. Um, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> it's just like, oh, that is, that is interesting. Yeah, you know, I wonder, um, <clears throat> I wonder how much, like, in the future, we'll look back on this and see um, if if we will actually ascribe real world um, meanings to these hmm. these stories, the way that it kind of resonates for us now in the present. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we've seen that. Like, um, I know that there was a lot of, um, there have been a lot of quotes getting passed around on Tumblr from these books and from things like To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, mm. You know, because people don't have other ways to express the way that they feel about current events, um, except through uh, these pieces that speak really strongly to them. Um, so, yeah, I do wonder, like, going forward, like, is this going to be something that's associated um, not just for us, but like for future people looking at these stories in this period in history, um, if they're they'll see direct connections that maybe we don't see so clearly now. Yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah, I, I think I've talked before and complained a bit, um, and I will some more about how I want <laughs> more sci-fi that is not dystopian. How I'm just kind of tired of it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that may have been part of why I I enjoyed this movie but not as much as I think I might have at one point it was I'm just like so I have dystopia exhaustion at this dystopia fatigue yeah okay I that's fine but 
these are, if you're going to go see dystopian movies, these, I think, Hunger Games certainly are the ones to see. Yeah. Um, and I... that really most of the trend is, can be blamed on Hunger Games. They, mm-hmm. you know, they're the ones who really kicked it off because people realized, oh, making kids kill each other in a dystopian future is something that people will see. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, like I said, I'm, I'm sick of it after, and after Hunger Games is done, I am done, I'm fine with there not being more for a while, but Hunger Games is a really, I enjoy them. Yeah, I think there's an emotional weight to the Hunger Games that you don't get in a lot of these other dystopian things. Um, like Ender's Game, um, Mm. was kind of a beloved book for a long time and the movie just flopped, which is partly down to, I think, um, the environment for those kinds of stories and also, you know, the environment for, receiving things from that creator um, Mm. which thankfully seems to be dwindling Um, (laughs) but like did you get the trailer before Mockingjay for uh, the next Divergent? Yeah Um, and I just oh I I didn't see the first one because I don't care (laughs) Yeah, this trailer came on and I was just like what the fuck is happening it just (laughs) it looked like nonsense it was just like and I know that's one of the, the things that came out sort of in the wake of the Hunger Games success. And it just felt, I just was tired. Like, yeah. I don't, don't want to see it. Um, I, I'm not even yeah. sure what the story is there. Some chosen one. Yep. Whatever. Yep. <laughs> I just don't. I'm like, okay, I just don't care. I really yeah. don't. Well, then it, it sucks because, like, I'm, before, like, it became, like, every other movie was this dystopian epic. Um, I was really in, I, and I still am like in books into dystopias, mm. um, much more so than in movies. Mm. And I'm always here for movies with um, female protagonists, especially young girls, because um, that's something that we don't see in movies a whole lot. Um, yeah. Especially being like action oriented and, um, but like just I just don't care. Just divergent. Just, I just do not care. <laughs> in film, especially. They just always sort of look the same. You know, mm-hmm. everything is washed out and rubble. Um, I, and one of the things I love about Hunger Games is that, yeah, you do have the washed out blue toned rubble, but you also have just these spectacular. I love the thirties aesthetic of these mm-hmm. movies that they really pull up. Like they really draw on. You have a lot of grandeur as well. You have some really stunning scenery and um buildings and you do have especially in the capital like real you get the sense oh this is sci-fi for a Mm -hmm. lot of people for you know the lucky few this is like a magnificent place to live and it's a sci-fi pal fairyland right um it's just such an uh unequal distribution of resources Mm -hmm. um and but other ones that just, I, and I, even Hunger Games to some extent, I'm just like, okay, I get it. Big set, big action-y set pieces with lots of CGI. That's fine. Whatever. I, I just I don't care that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you, it's all sort of the same dictatorship, like fascist dictatorship government. Yeah. Um, that just sort of, oppresses people for vague reasons that nobody really goes into much detail about. I mean, you know, you don't have, like, I would 
go see probably if they made depending i mean i'm sure there are ways it could be terrible but if they made a movie of handmaid's tale for instance Mm. oh my god like that's a dystopian sci-fi movie i would probably go check out Um, oh yeah but i just i'm like it's all sort of the same type of dystopia it's never really you know blade runner there's no there's um, nothing like really revelatory about it it's just the same story again and again with different trappings exactly exactly um and it never really has and i love a good you know good use of special effects but it seems like they're more there they just sort of come up with the barest plot on which to hang the barest like world building on which to hang this nice Mm -hmm. these nice effects they've made um and then nothing beyond that uh, so I'm just like, give me more, at least give me something going on beyond that. Give me a world, not just yeah. something pretty. You know, that, that actually reminds me, um, the, my going for the gold bloom starts on pop culture crazy. And, <laughs> Excellent. And, um, the first movie that I looked at was Jurassic Park. And I just nice. rewatched it again last night, sort of while I was do- editing my first piece. Yes. Um, and there was something that I'd never realized before, um, there, Jurassic Park's 120 minutes long. You only see dinosaurs for 15 minutes. Wow. There are only dinosaurs on screen for like 15 minutes total of wow, the entire movie. Wow, you have like they're... blown your mind, right? I it was totally going to say, blew. you may I have sat there something like, explode you and it's because you just blew my <laughs> mind. Wow. Yeah. That is like, bonkers. I, I found that like after I had watched it again and I was immediately like, I have to watch it right now. Like I have that to watch is, it for a third time oh, and write the second. Oh, wow. That is because, interesting. And that's a world where they've constructed the world so completely that you don't need the effects in every shot. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, because like the characters aren't the most detailed, but you know, they are to an extent because they carry the movie um, and it feels like a real environment like it, yeah. it really feels like this is this thing that john hammond has constructed and these are the people that he's gathered and they are experts in their field like you there's a lot of credibility to all of the characters um yeah even like sam jackson you barely even get his name and he's mostly just there to be grumpy at people yes um, but he feels great. like a real person like again yeah. we never see his body thank you we see yes. an arm an but arm. we don't even know it's his arm that's true sure. I I maintain that is how Nick Fury lost his eye. That oh that is God. Nick Fury undercover during his early days I love it. with Shield in it's the perfect. Marvel in the cinematic universe. Obviously, yes. I I will not speak for the comics, but clearly in the cinematic universe, Nick Fury was uh, working for Shield in his early his, <laughs> the early days of his career. I think you're and, onto something yeah, here. Yeah, that's like him. that makes perfect sense. There was this megalomaniac creating dinosaurs on this little island yeah. off of Costa Rica, and they went to figure it out. And uh huh, oh. obviously, and that's, that's why, why we don't cons- see him again because he got extracted. That's perfect. Exactly. That's, that's why perfect. he's so concerned about Tony Stark because he's like, I yeah. have seen where this goes, and it goes to dinosaurs. Like they're sitting around Stark Tower, and he's just casually like, "So, how do you feel about Diplodocus?" <laughs> Do you have any particular feelings about tyrannosaurs? Mm, tell me. Tell me what your thoughts read dinosaurs are, Tony. He's got, like, Jarvis programmed to, like, notify him, set off like, all these alarms in his office if Tony so much as, like, Googles T-Rex. <laughs> 
Hemsworth's not having it again on his watch. That's Mm-mm. amazing. No. Nope. I love it. No. Marvel, give us a call. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, but that, I think that's a great point. Like, th- it does seem like a lot of it was probably green screen. Like, um, yeah. Like, it just... Uh, and I thought that was so interesting that they put that scene in the movie where Katniss is on a green screen and she's very fake and unconvincing. And, and I was like, guys, though, that's kind of what you're doing. Like, yeah. That's, like, yeah. the whole movie-making process. Like... Oh, I don't know. And I hate, I think, well, and I always think of, apparently, like, when they were filming uh, The Hobbit, um, you know, because in the first movie, again, they tried to do as many practical effects as possible. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's a lot of CG in the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, but they also tried to do a lot of practical effects. You know, like the scene where Gandalf first arrives in Hobbiton in the Shire they use forced perspective. Like, he mm-hmm. and Elijah Wood are actually there sitting on the same bench. It's just that Elijah Wood is actually, like, two feet behind Ian McKellen. Um, and they're talking to each other. But, like, yeah. Ian McKellen said at one like, so much of that. They didn't do any of that in The Hobbit, basically. They just, like, they filmed the dwarves separately and oh, then you're kidding. green screened them in and yeah like i i feel i get resentful because ian mckellen said at one point like he was on the soundstage basically he had you know 12 tennis balls to talk to for the dwarves and he was just like he said at one point he was just crying with frustration he was like he was literally in tears because he was so frustrated trying to work with nothing Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm like, oh, I get all protective. I'm like, oh, he doesn't need my help. He's, you know, Ian McKellen. But I'm still like, oh, they made him cry. That's terrible. Green screen made Ian McKellen cry. And I cannot forgive that. Oh, no, I'm on the same page. That's unforgivable. Mm-hmm. No. And that, I think that kind of speaks to, like, why The Hobbit doesn't resonate as much for me. Like, mm-hmm. because there isn't that interplay, like, on the stage together. Yeah. Um, that's disappointing. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I think we've well, covered everything I had to say. Yeah, basically. the only other thing I had was, um, I was, there were a couple of surprises for me when I left the theater, um, because I was like, well, what's going to happen in the second movie, trying to remember. And oh, yeah. I got really <laughs> confused between, did that actually happen in the books? Or yeah, was that a fan theory that I read somewhere, or was that in a fic that I read somewhere? Like trying yeah. to remember, and it, it it really messed with me that they put Effie into the first into this first part because that's what a lot of the fics did after the books came oh, out. Oh yeah, was they rewrote it so that Effie was in District Thirteen, so that Effie was um, <laughs> like I would also a part like, of the Rebel cause earlier. Small point <laughs> I would like to make. Um, it was really delightful for me as someone for whom 30 Rock is like constant kind of comfort viewing. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's one of my default, like I don't, I want to put something on in the background while I'm embroidering or something or doing my nails or something, but I don't know what. Let's do 30 Rock. It was uh-huh. really delightful to see Julianne Moore and uh, Elizabeth Banks <laughs> playing off each other again. I was like, that is awesome. Yeah, I love and they it. had kind of like the same dynamic. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> it's really funny, yeah. Um, and I had actually just uh, in between the first and second, my first and second viewings, I had watched an older movie, um, 
the prize winner of Defiance, Ohio, where Julianne Moore played um, Woody Harrelson's wife. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> God, it it's really all... funny to see them together. It's as bad totally as like British dynamic. actors here. Where it you're is, like, oh, isn't wow, it? Yeah. I've seen They're... them together in 12 different things. Yeah. I think there was, um, like, like we said earlier, if Elizabeth Banks and Woody Harrelson make um, another movie together, I would be yes. completely 100% on board. I would watch all of the movies with them. Just, yeah. I would be in favor of, like, pretty much any and all remakes, in fact, if they starred <laughs> Elizabeth Banks and Woody Harrelson. I'm like, yeah. you, could, you could throw several terrible remakes at me and i would be on board gone with the wind yes i'm, I'm oh, oh she would be a fantastic scarlet right Wednesday. like i said that as a joke but as soon as i said it i was like gosh that's perfect yeah Elizabeth i was thinking Banks more along the lines of good. like um like the thin man like yeah like Nora charles they'd be really good like boozy um flirty uh yeah. detectives or, but oh like, screwball comedy can you imagine oh man She'd be perfect. Oh. She'd be so good as Scarlet, though. Yeah. I was like, that's oh, incredible. I meant that as a joke. As like, I'm saying it in a hushed voice. Great. Like, I'm so into that. Like, that's fantastic. Right? I, like, I don't dang. know about him as, I don't know about him as Rhett, but I yeah, think he I don't pull know. it off. <laughs> I think he work. could pull it off. Oh, yeah, it could be He's workable. got some chops. I'm not tossing it off just out of hand. I'm not dis- discarding that idea out of hand. I think it could work. I like it. We'll have to give it some more thought. Hollywood, yes. Hollywood, you can bring us on board now. We can start yes. making this movie for you. We have so Not many great ideas for Hollywood. Yeah. Just give us a call. Yeah. You know where to contact us. Yeah. Um, do you have any recommendations for this week? Oh, gosh. Um, I honestly, my week has still been just taken up with Dragon Age. Really. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I have not had much, like, any time I have come up for air, it has been to go to work or to go see that movie, basically. Um, I, dystopias though, uh, as always, um, I mentioned it earlier, but I definitely recommend Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, The Hunger Games books, definitely. Um, yeah, I think those are the big two for me. Handmaid's Tale, obviously. Again, I mentioned that earlier. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely in terms of dystopias. Yeah, I would definitely recommend um, The Handmaid's Tale. It's really, really upsetting. Um, mm. <laughs> like, it's like the older I get, the more I see where she was drawing from yeah. in order to create that world. And it's kind of just, like, horrible. Um to recognize so much of that in the real world. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Excuse me. My yeah. throat just went crazy. Um, oh, there's a trilogy that I really like. It's a little more fantasy than dystopia, um, but it does also um, deal with like um, sort of like this horrible overlord that has to be defeated. Um, it's the Grisha trilogy by Lee Bardugo, uh, which I recommend to anybody who's looking for a new book series to read. Um, and then I also recommend more in the dystopia vein along the lines of The Handmaid's Tale. Um, my other recommendation would be a book called When She Woke by Hilary Jordan. Oh. Um, it's sort of in the not too distant future where America is um, in, it's sort of like a religious state. Um, mm. And uh, convicted felons, you don't get put in jail, you get your skin genetically altered so that everywhere you go people know what you did 
Um, and it's also kind of a retelling of uh, the Scarlet Letter. Oh, and interesting! It is, it is fantastic, and it's another one that sort of like it's kind of bone chilling in the same kind of a way that The Handmaid's mm. Tale is. Um, so right. I highly recommend that one, and we'll have links in the show notes to these um, uh, to these recommendations. And then you can also you'll find those on our website at realbossybritches. Com. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at OCFairer, and Jules is at Jules Has Tweets. And you can also rate and review us on iTunes, which we strongly recommend that you do. Yes! If you're Please enjoying do. the podcast. And you can like us on Facebook at Britches, the Bossy Britches Podcast also. Yay! We like you. Come yes, like us. Do. do you like us? Do you really like us? <laughs> <laughs> and we will talk to you next week. All right. Bye.